find a lot of power in vulnerability. It's something that it's almost like if I if I take away all my defenses and tell you exactly how I'm feeling, then how could you possibly hurt me? And inevitably, like when you're vulnerable and feeling something really powerfully, if you can tap into its base emotion enough, I think that it's something that everybody feels. What? sober and I got happy again. Music started to flow and with Trisha, I could really be there for her throughout the pregnancy. It starts with sitting there backstage pretending I'm Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> no, it, it starts with, um, with grounding myself. I think that um, the easiest thing to do is to not live presently in, in life. We are consistently in the past, in the future, anywhere but right now. And I think for myself as a performer, it is important to slow down and to remember what I'm doing, why I'm here, remember the words that I wrote, the feeling that I had when I wrote them, and deliver that in the same emotion that I had when I was in that moment writing the music. Right. Thank you, appreciate that. Um, it, independence, it was not necessarily by choice at first, it was because no one had ever heard of us. <laughs> and you grow up your whole life thinking, I want to be signed to a major label. Like that is, the, that is the peak, that is the pinnacle, that is the top of the pyramid in terms of what you can achieve as an artist. You grow up thinking that, believing that, and um, around 2012 we had built up enough of a fan base that people started to pay attention, the industry started to pay attention. And we had a little bit of leverage. And a little bit of leverage, like maybe like one major label offered us a deal. <laughs> and we lied a bunch and we're like, oh, we got six offers. And But what it came down to is we want to be in control of the music that we make. We don't want, I don't want anybody, for one, owning my art is a horrible idea um, as an as a artist. And if you can avoid it, I, I highly suggest it. I want to be, it is what I put my heart and soul into. It is the thing that keeps me up at night. It's the thing that makes me wake up in the morning. And I do not want someone else telling me how to do that. Uh, I want my heart to dictate that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a big separation between the corporate music industry and the heart that it takes to make real music that connects with people on a genuine level. And that's why we wanted to be independent. So, um, it was the thing that kept me wanting to get sober. I didn't have the tools. And finally in 2008, 
um, you know, barely getting by, making music, barely getting by. Uh, my dad approached me and was just like, what are you doing with your life? You know, you're in your, you're, you know, 24, 25 years old and, and this has got to be it, man. And you need some help. I went to treatment and um, was given the tools to, to stay sober. And I have not followed that program to the best of my ability. So, so perfect adherence to that program to stay sober this whole time. But it's what I strive for. And there has been, there's been laps in that. Yeah. But it's something that I have to wear as a badge. You know, you, you carry those scars with you. You learn from it each day and you, you know, you step on a, a stage or you, you wake up in the morning and it's, it's what, it's who you are. You can't hide from it. I, um, I never knew moderation, really in life in general, but definitely when it came to drugs and alcohol. And you know, ever since I was you know, 15 years old and first, and first drank, I, I didn't know when to stop. And that continued with me. And always my main motivation behind getting sober was to make better art, mm -hmm. to become more of a perfect artist. And that was it. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that I couldn't write worth shit when I was high and drunk, I couldn't make music to the best of my ability, live up to my highest potential. Um, I don't know if I, you definitely wouldn't see me here today and I'd probably be getting loaded in a small bedroom apartment if I was still alive. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you have very little choice in that moment. There is 10,000, 12,000 people in an arena that are ready for a show. The body just reacts and it's funny because what happened right before this, um, to, to name drop and sound cooler than I actually am, Russell Wilson and a couple other Seahawks came in right before the show and they, um, and you know, I just, I was like throwing up, throwing up before this and Russell was like, you know, I'm kind of like looking for some sympathy. I'm like, man, I got food poisoning, like the show's gonna suck, like feel sorry for me. And, and Russell's like, you know, the adrenaline, once you, once you get on stage, the adrenaline's going to kick in, you'll be fine. And that's what it is. You, yeah. you push through it, you feel horrible, you step on stage and you forget about it. And if you need to throw up, you try not to get caught on camera. Yeah. Wishing everyone a very happy new year. It's uh, December 31st, Sunday in Madison, Wisconsin. We are below zero at about a negative five today. The last couple clips I grabbed off of a uh, Macklemore TEDx video um, from 2015 where he goes through his process, what he does to get inspired, how he keeps his shit together on stage, and a bunch of other great uh, concepts that I really appreciate from him. So I hope some of that gave you some inspiration going into the new year. It definitely did for me. And I hope to have everybody back on Tuesday, January 2nd for a follow-up from Maggie Rogers on her song Alaska, as well as uh, her big tour she did this year. So 
Happy New Year to everyone. Celebrate safe and with family and friends tonight, and I'll see you in 2018. Merry Christmas. Ah!